Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with... Eno Safo. And coming up over the next 90 minutes. Which member of government is in the government? He doesn't decide for me what I need to do and what I do not need to do. I don't have time for things like that. People like that are not important to me or to my life. Former Chief Justice Sufaya Akufo returns to the picketing grounds at the Finance Ministry over government debt exchange program, which involves pensioners. Meanwhile, the government is insisting that the program is voluntary and no need necessarily to demonstrate over same. Also coming up, Commonwealth Hall students of the University of Ghana engage in fresh disagreement with school authorities over the decision to remove them from their hall. Meanwhile, in faraway Cuba, Ghanaian students say the failure of the scholarship secretariat to pay their allowances is making life a living hell. And later on Eyewitness News. The issues raised in your letter have formed part of proceedings before the Supreme Court and have already been decided. The decision of Occupy Ghana on a letter that the Attorney General has written to the Auditor General in Taalia demanding that he pulls down a publication that he put up in relation to COVID-19 expenditure. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business, as government secures majority participation in its domestic debt exchange program, economists call for commitment towards fiscal discipline to ensure debt sustainability. That's in 50 minutes. Michael Ogbudu of the City Business Desk will be back here to give us the latest in the world of business. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations on Adrianpa 100.7 FM in Takwa, Beach 105.5 FM in Takradi, Sky Power 93.5 FM also in Takradi, Greener 95.9 FM in Sunyani, Adrianpa 99.9 FM in Nkawie, Heritage 107.3 FM in Hohwe, Freedom 88.1 FM in Sugakofa, Radio Gaki 88.3 FM in Saboba, Quality 88.7 FM in Garu and Nobia FM 98.1 FM in Nalerugu. The show is also live across the globe on citynewsroom.com. We are on Facebook. You can watch what's happening in the studio as well as follow the discussions live. This is City FM broadcasting from Adabrakaina. Let me know what you make of the stories by going to our WhatsApp platform and sending a message on 0549 986 996. 0549 996. Let's settle for details of our stories now. And the shocker of all shocks happened last week when a former Chief Justice, Sophia Akufo, appeared at a mass protest, which is a picketing that was organized by retirees or pensioners who say they do not want the government to touch their bonds. She appeared and said so many things, including that what the government was doing was unlawful. And mind you, this was a foremost judge 
in the country just a few years ago. She holds the view that what the government was doing was not right, was not justified in law, and said that members of the pensioners group could go to court and seek redress there. However, she was, en she was joining the group as a citizen to demonstrate because she believes that senior citizens ought to be protected, not have their funds taken from them. She appeared and went off over the weekend. Yesterday, she did not show up even though the team was there to demonstrate or to picket. Today, she came back and joined them. And when journalists approached her, she was willing as ever to speak. The first question that was put to her was in relation to what was said by a member of the New Patriotic Party, Gabi Asari Otredako. After her, her, her decision to join, Gabi Asari Otredako had taken to Twitter and written a series of tweets in which he took issue with the appearance of the Chief Justice, the former Chief Justice, at the picketing ground. I'll bring you what she said in response, but first let me read for you what Gabi Asari Otredako said. He said, as an individual bondholder myself, I wish to join the others in thanking the likes of Senor Hussi, Gay Hatmesa, and Co., who volunteered to lead the advocacy, resulting in a far better offer for individual bondholders, particularly pensioners, than the original offer. Ayeko, whilst I have sympathies for those picketing, I think we should be bold enough to ask them what they really is the purpose. Why pick it over an offer which you have to you have no liberty you have the liberty not to accept? You are asking to be exempted, but from an improved offer program which is voluntary. The former Chief Justice Sophia Kufu may mean well, but she erred big time in her basic appreciation of the issues. Rather than asking the government to exemption at this late hour, why did she simply not exempt herself? from exchanging her original bond for the new one. Why pick it over something you don't like, which is the improved offer, when you have the right not to sign up? Sorry, but I struggle to get her emotional outburst over exemption. I hope she won't volunteer to pick it tomorrow, which is Saturday, and on the same issues when the time is up, when the time to sign up has expired. I was among those who pleaded for the exemption of pensioners. But the government had to balance all that with the need to protect the economy for the 33 million population and settled on the 15% yield, maturing in 5 years instead of 15 years. And that the individual was free not to participate. For a former CJ to take up a noble cause such as she did, but at such late hour, when all was done and for all that the publicity, let me take that again. It says, for a former CJ to take up a noble cause such as she did, but at such late hour when all was done and for all that publicity, she owed it to herself and her social standing to have understood the issues far better than what she exhibited last Friday. She is bigger than that. Well, as journalists would do, they would always put the issues to you that come up. And after the media, that was when Gabi Asarachodaku put up this particular tweet. So the first question the journalist put to her when she appeared again for the picketing today, which I must say is happening after the expiration of the government deadline on Friday, was to say, have you seen what Gabi Asarachodaku said? And what do you say to that? Listen to the interview. 
earlier. Mm -hmm. What is your reaction? To which you which member no, of government? Uh, uh, for instance, Gabi Asaroji. Is he in the government? Is he a member of the government? So he tweeted that you. there is no need you come in here to protest over this bond issues and so uh, what's your take on that he can he can decide on he, he doesn't decide for me what i need to do and what i do not need to do as simple as that i you know i don't have time for things like that people like that are not important to me or to my life there is a disturbance that's all i've got to say about it what, what, what do you say to the new directive from government, the new statement coming from government that there is an option, a voluntary option, that you can sign on and get your money paid? But that, uh, that, that whole program is now over, isn't it? Yes, and we chose not to sign on to it. Now, the way things are going, I, I, what I sense and what I smell mm. is the creation of two categories of people or two classes of people those who have been exempted by, by the issuer i think doctor was very uh, clear with the, the the distinction yes and then now they are calling those who have those who refused to sign on to the debt exchange they're calling them uh, self-exempted no they simply refused to sign they just simply want to stand by the original bond that they have with the government and you know the word bond is not used as a, a, a casual term bond means tied to my word is my bond yes and and and, and when a government's bond uh, can be tossed up and down uh, the, the tides like that flip-flop that's a serious thing for me my problem with this whole thing is the is the destruction of the image of this nation and something that is being done which will last for generations it took a long time before normal Ghanaians would even buy anything to anything that is government because there was always that suspicion huh tomorrow you don't know what will happen now they are reintroducing that all that uh, needs to be done and um, Dr. was talking about uh, the, uh, the a letter simple letter that was written by the association to the minister exempt us from your program I think that's the that's the gist I always like to distill things to their lowest common denominator Exempt us, we are pensioners. Up to now, I've seen a copy of the letter, it's dated 7th January. According to doctor, it was delivered on 10th January. Up to now, there's not even a, a note, I'm not even saying a letter, a note of acknowledgement. And yet, a few days ago, similar letters that had been written to to, to, to the minister have been responded to whereby he has categorically exempted other groups. Why? And you know, when I cannot fathom the reason for something being done in a particular way, especially when it's been done for others but it's not being done for others, 
I start getting suspicious. Mm. I've grown to be to the age where I've seen it all, and therefore I easily become suspicious. Gabiotredako can call me paranoid. I don't care. We're talking about people, we're talking about human beings, we're talking about people who have served this country and have served well and served hard. Not easy service when you're not a member of government and you're calling yourself a member of government. So that's all I've got to say about this matter. That's why I'm still sitting here. Okay, is there a mistrust for government where you cannot take government Me. on its own way uh, uh, when it says it will honor give, uh, your bond? Paper talks. Mm. Paper talks. Empty talk flies with the wind. Mm. Yes. So, a press release is one thing. A letter in response to a specific request is another thing altogether. Because when we've reached a point where we're feeling uncomfortable, even though we are holding government bonds, listen, it's a trust issue. Mm. Yes. Mm. Well, are you hesitant taking this matter to court? Because now the deal is closed. Well, the final my, statement is uh, out. My, what my, you need, what my, you need, I, I mean the group, if I say you uh -huh. are in the group, what you need has not been granted in that letter. Would you be taking this a bit further? That one, I'm not speaking as a representative. Mm -hmm. The representative for the for the for the association mm -hmm. is um, Dr. Anani Entry. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to report sure. to speak for the. And uh, if they call on your service, I'm not a lawyer anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm not qualified to represent mm -hmm. anybody in court. Mm -hmm. I'm a retired judge. On your service as in legal advice, I as do to what not. To do. I do not even hold a lawyer's practicing license anymore. Mm. But, but but you have the president. I do have. What's this got to do with somebody's personal ear? We're talking about principles, isn't that so? Is it is it a favor? Is it a, something you go and beg for? I'm sorry, I wasn't brought up to beg. No. So Not to beg for what is due to me. Yes. If if government's position doesn't change, would you advise that the group, just as my brother said, sort um, so a solution in court? That's that's a, that's certainly a strong option. For myself, I will. For myself, it will be Sophia Kufu versus, right? But uh, not, uh, not on behalf of the association. The association will have to make its decision. On the back of your answer to my colleague, you said you are not brought up to beg for things mm -hmm. that, um, that ordinarily belong to you. You've been a very outstanding member of, um, of this country. You've, you've served governments in the past. Don't you think that probably you could have a conversation with, say, the finance minister or the president as he suggested, and as you are saying, it's an issue of principle. Maybe their, their principles may just come through when they get a word from you. What am I going to say uh, that's going to swing anything? Okay, what I've got to say, I'm saying it now. Yeah. Yes. What I've got to say, I said it on Friday, actually. So it's, yeah, it's comfortable insane. with the backlash. Uh, listen. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but uh, blah, blah will not hurt me. No. An insult 
Insults, insult is the weapon of the pin-brained. That's all I've got to say. I'm not going to trade words with pin-brains. I'm sorry. No. No. Oh, press statements. Press statements, they are too for a person. They come cheap. So we are waiting. When they become due, we shall see. But it will be better that for all of us, and for the nation too, that he responds to the letter that's been sent to him. Why? What's, what's stopping, apart from pride, what else is stopping the issuance of a response to the letter? That's Justice Sophia Akufu, former Chief Justice of the Republic of Ghana, speaking at the venue where pensioners went to picket at the Ministry of Finance today against the government's debt exchange program. When we come back, we hear government's official position on the debt exchange program, plus the governing party's position on the program thus far. Please stay with us. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And before we went on the break, we're listening to the former Chief Justice who uh, spoke for the second time uh, at the picketing by pensioners at the Ministry of finance. Let's speak to the new Patriotic Party's Director of Communication, Richard Ahiagba. Richard, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you, Ma. The former Chief Justice is not a political appointee, but if for anything, it is the President who was elected on the ticket of the MPP that made her Chief Justice. That is a national embarrassment for you as a political party, that things have gotten to the worst form ever for a Chief Justice who rarely speaks, really. I haven't heard a former Chief Justice speak before. Well, not in recent times. For her to come out, not only speak, but appear at a protest against government, that is heavy. Well, Omaru, thank you very much. Uh, I think that uh, as a country, we're in a very trying uh, space right now where every effort is being given to regenerate our economy from the ruins of COVID-19 and the uh, Russia-Ukraine war. Uh, it's a very uh, anxious space, and uh, everybody is trying to do the best they can uh, to answer or find answers. And government is caught in the middle of that, trying to balance the emotions of citizens, the fear, the uncertainty of where we are. So certainly, uh, I understand uh, the anxiety with which people are speaking. But it's even that, it, uh, it affords us opportunity to enrich and deepen our democracy. So the participation of the chief of, uh, the former chief justice, for me, uh, is uh, a naturally occurring position that we should encourage in any democracy to allow for people uh, to, to have their voice be heard. And so I think uh, that's the, the best way to process uh, participation. Presently, the issues to do with the, the debt restructuring 
for the uh, domestic uh, debt exchange program, uh, which is uh, brought to the public, uh, uh, public space for this conversation to happen. I think that that is a separate issue if we want to get into it. But on some, I would say that her thoughts and her utterances need to be processed uh, in, in terms of democracy. And I think it's, it's good for our democracy to the extent that she's allowed and she has uh, stepped in to have her voice be heard. But you agree also that the pol politically speaking and for the optics, this is this is bad for the government. No, this cannot be bad. Uh, this actually is good for democracy. I mean, uh, if you know the NPP, we are very spirited. Um, in our party, there's uh, a very uh, a vibrant democracy uh, that uh, that goes on in our party. So it is, in essence, the nature of the new patriotic party to create uh, these spaces for people to defend. This is what we fought for. This is why the force of public, and if you look at it, there's a balance, the balance of the credit for why we are here in this force of public today, you could easily give it to MPP for agitating and for speaking up against, you know, uh, the lack of uh, opportunity in the public square for people to engage in the governance of our country. So we fought for this. And so when our people exercise it, we can only say that it's good for democracy. Of course, in terms of agreeing or disagreeing with them, it's a separate conversation, but it cannot be bad for the party. Uh, if she didn't speak, perhaps the matter in question uh, is something that perhaps is not necessarily advancing the direction government wants to go, but that's also part of the democracy we must encourage. Do you not think that they should do what they did? No, I don't have any objection about it. The only uh, thing, really, uh, the demonstration, I just have a problem understanding why they're demonstrating. Um, that is also my democratic right to wonder why they are demonstrating. To say that there is a, a debt researcher, uh, a voluntary invitation to participate, uh, calling on citizens to exercise their, their right to choose uh, to participate in an effort that will give the economy, the state, opportunity to build again, to regenerate itself from the ruins of COVID-19. Um, that is the choice that I think that uh, left to be, uh, every citizen should make understanding the burden of citizenship. Um, and if that's the choice, then I wonder what the occasion is to demonstrate because you are one, whilst the situation is existential, and I think I want to characterize it that way, that choices we face here is existential. We either choose to move forward or we choose to uh, stagnate and deal with the consequences, which will be chaotic, a situation which will mean that uh, our debt situation would, uh, would spiral and create very worse situations for us. And a government is elected to, to do something which is in the nature of trying to bring order, create order leaders in addressing the, the challenges we face in terms of addressing our, our debt. I think that that, for me, as a citizen, is something that I think that we should uh, look at properly and not be uh, and make and politicize it in ways that appear as though that government is doing something to hurt citizens. But that exactly is not what government is doing. Government is calling on citizens to participate with it to regenerate the economy. I think that that choice, if anybody makes it, uh, they have stopped themselves somehow from demonstrating against a positive choice they have made to help 
uh, government create a needed fiscal space to carry on. So, uh, so, uh, so the point I think I'm making is that if you make a choice voluntarily to swap your bonds, okay, and you have done that, then you have elected out of your own free will, recognizing your responsibility to the state as a citizen to participate. And once you have elected to do that, then it means you've done that from good conscience. And so if you're demonstrating, I'm not sure what you're demonstrating again. So that's just a slight confusion I have. If it were a case where they're saying that, well, certain things needs to be done, then we can have that conversation. But demonstrating because there's a, a domestic debt restructure, I, I don't follow the basis for it. That's just where my problem is. But even that uh, is still a people's democratic right to do so. Well, their point is that if they self-exempt, it would not be as significant if they were exempted by the one making the offer. So if it is a voluntary exercise, why did government exempt the unions so that their pension funds are untouched? The government specifically spelled that out and exempted it. That's what they want. They want the government to say, we will not touch it rather than they saying we will not give it to you because mind you there was a statement that was issued by the government where we are told uh, that those who do not go on the on the on the program may have their bonds having difficulties being tradable and that was a big issue when it was announced by the government last week so senor Hosi puts it in a nice phrase when he says it is um, a voluntary by force well, I think that uh, Senor himself has uh, repented from that position. I think my recent hearing of him, uh, he's come to understand the difficulty and appreciate what invitation is given, and that is voluntary, and they choose to participate or not to participate. But, Umaru, the question that people should be asking, okay, is it should be that what if, what if we are exempted? What would happen? Okay, people are not wondering about that. We're talking about a binary situation where if you don't do anything, something worse will happen. And if you do something, possibly these are the options that you can regenerate and in 20, by 2028 be able to return the economy to where it's, it's fiscally uh, sound. You have the leader fiscal room, fiscal room to be able to do what you have to do. The option of doing nothing sets all of us up for failure. I think that the gravity of the situation is not being processed. I've heard people, uh, I think uh, uh, lawyer Martin Kibu, uh, I heard him say that, oh, if government pay us, nothing is going to happen. Nothing is, the economy is not going to collapse. But that, that's wishful thinking. It's wishful thinking. If you go and look at the numbers, you realize that this is how close we have come to defaulting. This is how close we have come to not being able to attend to our business in a manner to allow us to carry on as a state. Then you have a government that makes a decision to say, well, let's do one of two things. One is to restructure our debt, tax, uh, consolidate uh, fiscally, and ensure that we build the economy back again. Those options are not uh, options that are open to choice. You're either doing it or you're not doing it. So the two choices are for us to make. And that's why I like about the opportunity that the state has given 
that yes, we are in a desperate situation, but we are not going to legislate our way out of it. We are going to talk our way out of it by inviting voluntarily our citizens to participate. We know, uh, Omar, that there's that option to legislate this debt exchange, right? But government didn't choose that option. So what is government... Because, because, because government could not have chosen that option based on the advice by the Attorney General. That would have landed the government in deeper trouble. No, no, I mean, it's not as if it's illegal. I'm just saying that... It would have been challenged legally, and whoever challenged it would have won. And that's why the government no, no, was advised no, by the Attorney no, General that no, do not go that route. So that's fine. I mean, but the point is that it's an option open to the government. It's been done. It's not as if there's no precedent for it. Other states have done it. Okay? Um, so, you know, possibilities are that government chose to go a route that is participatory, okay? But I just want to establish that that option of legislating as a way out of it existed. The government chose a more makeable way, which we have worked. If you look at how this uh, uh, domestic debt restructuring has evolved from day one, right? From starting from zero uh, coupon rate in 2023, uh, to 2039 maturity, to where we are now uh, maturing 2027, 2028, with people having effectively no haircut at all. I think I mentioned that earlier, no haircuts at all. The only thing the state is asking uh, from citizens to participate with this to do is that we will extend the, the period for maturity and then be able to pay less coupon rate, but when your maturity comes in 2027, 2028, they'll capitalize the lost interest and pay it on it. So effectively, both interest and both principal, there's no haircut. If you read them in the new memorandum, you'll come to understand that. So we have moved a long way to where what we have now is effectively help ourselves come out of this situation. I don't think that um, it, is, it is such a draconian option. It's a difficult one, I must admit. It's difficult. But if we apply citizenship to it, if we come to understand what the alternative would be if nothing is done, this is a better option that we can participate to save our state. Look, Omar, I've been talking to some uh, retirees as part of all of these uh, demonstrations and people's agitation. I've spoken uh, with a lot of people, and these are people who are also concerned but, you know, one thing that comes clear in our conversation is that giving to them is left the choice given to them to make. If they were in the seat, they would make the same decision to try to uh, protect their posterity. It's a responsibility we have today to build forward. We cannot keep the calm down the road. We have to take this responsibility to make sure that we are building this economy long-term for our children. That's the investment this government has made since 2017, right, to try to build forward. There was no hurry to do free SHS, but if you understand that, you are staring in the future, and you realize that competitively, globally, if you don't prepare your people, they are going to be faced with a difficult world where education is not going to be a luxury anymore. It's going to be a necessity to participate. And this government invested, and is investing. And I'm saying that in the next 20 years, we will be faced with real human beings who have benefited from state investment, who are in 
places of responsibility. Those people can look at themselves and say, but for the state, we won't be here. And then we take a much better care of this state to make sure it continues and carries forward. So we have to make that difficult investment today, Omar. And so as hard as it is, I, I want to say with all humility that people should, you know, have the space to share their democratic, uh, you know, uh, thoughts and, and, and contribute to the discussion, which we have, uh, we have experienced. The deal that we have now with the domestic debt exchange is much enhanced, much improved, thanks to democracy and consultation. So let's move forward with it. This is not a time to stagnate and, and then begin to trade uh, our positions as though we are all going to compromise. We mm. have to compromise and move forward for the sake of the state. Very well. Finally, before you go, uh, you once worked for Gabi Asario Chudaku when you were at the Dankwa Institute. Um, what do you make of the public... Um, disagreement between him and the former chief justice? Well, that, that's one way to put it, but I see it as a public conversation because the invitation to the public square is for everyone to share their thoughts. And so if the former chief justice has come to share her thoughts on what is happening and she's, she's spoken to it, another person is at liberty to also share their thoughts. So it's not a confrontation, it's a, a public square where we all are free to share our democratic, uh, exercise our democratic rights of speech. And so I, I see it as uh, uh, another day in a democracy where we must all encourage uh, each other to speak. Very well. Thank you for speaking to us. That's uh, Richard Ahiagba. He's Director of Communication of the New Patriotic Party. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And the Ministry of Finance statement, though, um, says that um, the government announces today the results of our domestic debt exchange program which closed at 4 p.m. on 10th February 2023. Approximately 85% of holders eligible to participate in the invitation to exchange as determined by the Central Securities Depository tendered in the exchange. The government is pleased with the results as a substantial majority of the eligible holders have tendered. This result is a significant achievement for the government to implement fully the economic strategies in the post-COVID-19 program for economic growth during this current economic crisis to provide sufficient time to settle the new bonds in an efficient manner the government is extending the settlement date of the exchange from the previously announced 14 february 2023 to 21st february 2023 this settlement date exchange is however only to process the settlement of the new bonds the issue date interest accrual schedules and payment schedules for the new bonds will be adjusted to reflect the actual settlement date as the exchange period has expired no new tenders will be accepted and no revocations or withdrawals are permitted in addition since we have received expressions of interest from other stakeholders to participate in a similar exchange the government is modifying the six-month clear market provision of the new bonds as set forth in the exchange memorandum to clarify that such clear market provision will not limit the government from issuing domestic public indebtedness in connection with liability management exercises involving exchanges or similar exercises that do not involve the issuance of domestic public indebtedness for cash consideration. Except as set forth in this paragraph and the one before, the terms and conditions of the exchange are not modified or amended. The outstanding principal amounts presented in this press release differ from the outstanding principal amounts in the exchange memorandum and have been adjusted to deduct a amounts of eligible bonds held by persons that are not eligible holders 
then that were not eligible to participate in the exchange and b amounts held by pensions that following the announcement of the exchange converted the eligible bonds to treasury bills and uh, the attached overleaf as an appendix table is the percentage of eligible bonds validity tender so that's the government statement on the uh, domestic debt exchange program and the conclusion or expiration of same this is eyewitness news on 97.3 ctf and we return with more please stay eyewitness news be there as it happens Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Let's go to the University of Ghana now. We are told that. Uh, there was some disagreement on campus today uh, involving students of Commonwealth Hall. We do know that the university had made a position known on the state of those halls saying that continuing students were not allowed to return to the halls when school resumes. Uh, we know too that the students have gone to court to seek an injunction on the administration, the school authorities, over this decision. So what exactly um, is the state of affairs and why were there disagreements today? Rex Bonney is Deputy Chief of Staff of Legon, that's the SRC. He's joining us on the line. Mr. Bonney, welcome to Eyewitness News. Uh, thank you very much, sir. What was happening today? Is it the case that because the injunction was secured, uh, the students who originally were in Commonwealth Hall decided to move in and that's why security was preventing them? Or what happened exactly? Yeah, um uh, in, in, in with regards to this um, injunction that was secured on the 9th of February, that was Thursday, 2023, uh, last week, um, the injunction had already been secured on the 6th of January, and the school management didn't comply. And as such, seven officers of the university management have been cited to contempt. And this issue is also at suspending. Now, after the verdict on the 9th of February, school management has not responded to and the issues of accommodation of these uh, continuing students. The students at the beginning of the semester were directed to some private, some sort of private uh, hotels on campus. And the prices are so high, that is why students agitated, sent the issues to court. And at the end of the day, it was ruled in favor of students. Five days after the ruling of the court, and nothing has been done. Today, the registration options in the portals of these continuing students have been taken out. And as such, students have been sat out of UGL hostels where the school management earlier placed these students. So, out of uh, uh, that situation, this difficult situation, students have no places to sleep. And as such, uh, they decided to embark on the route to Commonwealth Hall because the court has ordered that uh, they be reinstated to Commonwealth Hall. And now it hasn't been done, but students are being sat out of the usual hostels. This makes no sense. It is why the students marched on to Commonwealth or to ask that where are our best places, especially at this time that we have been sat out of the usual hostels. It, it's clear, and to my witness, there were reinforcements, and the reinforcements, all that was happening was that they were there to intimidate students. Some students have been hit with guns. 
some students, yes, some, uh, I mean, not bullets, but with that artifact on the heads of students, some with a, a lot of stuff I cannot even talk about. Some are, some are even bleeding, students who were being arrested, were being bleeding. So this is the extent the issues went to. The students were not there to disturb. The students were there to let management know that we have been sacked from the EJ hostel. And now you are telling us that you have not prepared the place for Commonwealth Hall residents. How does this correlate? Because if anything of such should happen, then it means that arrangements should be made at Commonwealth Hall. It hasn't happened. And as such, uh, the students were there to ask for or demand for their best species. This evening, we do not even know where some of these students are going to stay because they have been sacked from the EJ hostels. They were directed. And police comes in here to brutalize students and uh, publicize that students are there to the step and as such they are going to arrest other students in addition we 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 are, we are, we are really scared at the moment and we need government to intervene this is an issue that we cannot sit down and wait for a student life to be lost the students should be given places to sleep i i, I personally interact with students i personally engage a lot of students we know students who are going further as far places people who are outside of the region they do not have places to sleep on campus or at, around campus where are these students supposed to sleep? Management has been ordered to find places for them in Commonwealth Hall as well. They are refusing to comply. It is clear this is intentional, and we are pleading with the Ghana Police Service um, to come again at what they have posted, uh, circulating that students were just there to the step. It is not true. The students had visits on why they went there. It could have been a very peaceful match places to rest for the night since they have been sacked from the EJL hostel, but they decided not to comply with that. And as such, it has resulted that management has ordered policemen to brutalize and also arrest innocent students. Today, we, as, as we speak, we have 18 students in the custody of the Ghana police service. And this is sad. Threatening students that they will arrest the rest who were also there to ask for base spaces. This is injustice. So those, those who went there, have they left following the arrest by the police or they are still in the, in the Commonwealth yes, occupy, occupying there? The policemen, after the reinforcement, they chased the students, they attacked some of them, and the rest, everyone, after the arrest of the 18, everyone uh, had to leave the police. So what's next? Uh, For instance, tonight, where would they sleep, since you, do, you say they don't have places? Yes, there is no places to sleep. Um, at this point, I do not know what will really be done, since management has not responded to this. Uh, we do not know what is going to happen, but it is our plea that the university management responds to this flight as soon as possible. Find places for these students to sleep. Because we cannot determine the next action. We cannot. We cannot at all. And we will not want it to get to a point where things will get out of control. The students are hurt at the moment, and management needs to respond to this flight. Is it really true that all the students have been evicted from the UGL hostels? It's clear on their portal. Uh, the school had a deadline for payment of um, the fees on um, 10th of February. And the court decided on the 9th of February. A student had to be reinstated. That is moved from these UGL hostels. Come on, also. After the 9th ruling, five days, three days or two days into it, they started removing the boys. Uh, some of these students, the males, females from, uh, and it is clear because, and then it, uh, prominently amongst the, the male students who were residents of Commonwealth, it is clear here you open the MISs 
students bought out. They have been taken off. And now, uh, senior hotels in the various hotels are rushing these students in their rooms to start them out. It is evident. We have evidences of such issues. So they have been sad. And on the and their fourth house, there is no proof that they've been allocated rooms in these hotels. So, okay. so Rex, please hold on eh, because uh, the point you've made about the eviction of students from UGL Hostel, uh, okay. Professor Ransford Jampo, who is a member of the academic communication team of the University of Ghana, is saying that is not true. So I just no. have him on the line. If you could just hear what he has to say. Prof, you're welcome okay. to Eyewitness News. Your, your, your student there says they were both removed physically and also through the portal. You're saying that that's not true? Well, I don't think... It is an accurate statement to be coming from him. Um, I just received the information that there's a student there going about saying that he's been, um, they've been ejected from the UGL hostel. It is not true. The university has provided accommodation um, for those who have been taken out of uh, Commonwealth Hall and also Mesa Sabah Hall. And we've secured accommodation um, for them at the UGL hostel. And there is nothing that would compel the university to eject them if they don't misconduct themselves and if they've not done so. And I'm not, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not aware of any student misconduct himself there warranting their ejection from that um, accommodation, you know, provided okay. for them. And so it is not true. Rex, you, you've heard what the prof is saying. You have any counter evidence to prove? Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy about the fact that um, Professor admitted that uh, he, he has no full consent. He has not received a full consent on this matter. It means that Prof uh, will have to update himself on this issue. Uh, and I'll be very glad if Prof could move this and with us, contact the senior officers and confirm if it is true that some students have been taken out. Or the, some students, uh, their, their registration options have been taken from their portal. Some students have been sacked physically. I want you to go there and also attest to that fact as well. About how many students have been removed? Uh, Prof, I'll come to you. About how many students have been removed? Uh, at the moment, a lot, a lot of concerns. We have not been able to um, gather all the students, but all, a lot of the students that were on the street today are one um, half of those that have been rejected from the jails. Okay, please, please hold on, Prof. So I, I don't know if you heard him. No. I don't know whether um, he is really a student. Yes, I'm he's... a member of the university community. Please listen to me carefully. I'm a member of the university community. I know what is going on. And I'm telling you that no student has been ejected. He says you, you should he says you should update yourselves and that yourself and that you do not have the facts as he's no, sharing. I have all the updates. Listen, the way to go in trying to address this impasse. It's not about propaganda and the screen of lies. I am telling you. Rex, Rex, please hold on. Rex, please hold on. Let's listen to the problem. Nobody has been ejected from the hostel. I mean, wh why would we want to do that? We were the same people who gave them accommodation. So what is the basis for ejecting people? We do not want them to go to, their, um, um, to those halls of their residence where they were causing confusion. And so if you've given them accommodation and they've accepted, why would we eject them? What is the basis? What did they do again? That is, that Please, is, some uh, of them uh, are uh, now uh, misconducting and uh, misgiving uh, now. Um, the, the law enforcement agencies are taking them on. Um, the university would also subject them through their own, uh, through our own internal disciplinary process. We've not gotten there yet. 
if we get there and people would have to be dealt with according to the law and according to their own rules, we'll do that. But for now, nobody has been ejected. Okay. Uh, if, he, if somebody has been ejected, he should, he should, he should bring out the names and bring out the details. But I'm telling okay. you that nobody has been ejected from the hostel, from, right. the, from the Utah hostels. Uh, okay, so... It has not happened. Very it's well. not about propaganda, my brother. You are a journalist. Listen, if you are a journal, you are a journalist. You are free to bring your cameras to campus to come and interview our officers here and come and interview the university management body authorities and find out things for yourself. Come to the various halls of no hostels of residents and check yourself. It is not about propaganda. No problem. It is not about spewing half truths and lies. Prof, please. Prof, um, Rex Bonnie is a person on the line. He's deputy chief of staff of Legon, I mean SRC Legon. What I'm going to say is that, Rex, if you could just gather the facts and evidence you have, you can find Prof. I'm sure he will be on his... Uh... Please, he knows me. He should come and show it to me. Rigorously, uh, we will make sure we present these facts to every people that necessary. Rex, hold on. Rex, hold on a second. Prof, let's... Prof, let's... I'm a very known person here. Yes. So that's I'm just directing. Yes. I will speak. I will speak for him. But I'm telling you that nobody has ejected anybody. Very well. Person will not do that. No problem. Prof, just hear just hear him out. Rex, yes. I have in my hands an evidence to that fact, and we are gathering more. We have a lot. We will get. I'll present them to Professor Rex for example for him to know what is happening. Very well. Thank you. Let's leave it here then. Prof, thank you so much. That's Professor Rex. I have to text in at a short notice. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. That's not countenance. Will not countenance lies in the stream of propaganda. For now, for now, I don't have evidence that it is a lie, so I would not entertain that word. I'm telling you, it's a lie. It is no, Prof. 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 It is your. It is your word. It is your word against his. I'm saying that you two can solve your problems there. After calling each other lies, I'm not sure he would be happy. Call, being called a liar, and I'm sure if he calls you a liar too, you may not take it kindly. So Tomorrow let's leave it as that. He, he will do so, I hope. Much. Thank you so much. Yes. That's Professor Ransford Jampo. He's a member of the academic communication team of the University of Ghana. Earlier, you heard Rex Bonnie, who is deputy chief of staff of Legon SRC. We will still talk about students because the students in Ghana here, this is their issue. The ones in Cuba. They have a bigger problem. Uh, they say their stipends have not been paid by the scholarship secretariat. And those in the UK are saying a similar thing. Uh, they also have issues. We'll be hearing from them. That will be on point blank when we come back. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. But before they get to university, they would have to go to secondary school. And the problem is that the government's computerized school selection placement system appears to be rebooting few days before the reopening of school, I think six days or so, students still don't know. That's BEC candidates still do not know which school they are going to go to because they've not been placed. And we'll give us a story. The president of the National Association of Graduate Teachers, Angel Kabunu, says the delay in the release of school placement for first-year students will distort their calendar. His comments comes after the Ghana Education Service assured that it is committed to releasing the placement of 2022 JHS graduates into senior high schools before the reopening date of February 20. Speaking to City News on the City Breakfast Show, Angel Kabunu proposed that placement of schools should be regulated by the Ghana Education service to avoid such delays. If you recall that there is um, an investigation report about the placement, what happened last year. And in fact, it has really shaken the 
foundations of certain authorities in our country, and they will have to put in measures this time to ensure that we don't revert to that same thing. So, placement in school should be within the ambit of the general education service, not the Ministry of Education. You see, there is a certain secretariat. I, I wonder what relevant that secretariat is today. That is free senior high school secretariat. I don't know why we still have that secretariat operating. Because these guys, what? They are not teachers. They are political appointees. They said they are running free senior high school. I don't know what they do. I don't know the relevance of the free senior high school secretariat. And these guys, I still have a difficulty as to why they are found operating in every sphere of education. You know, I think that placement in school, why should somebody pay 10,000 cities, 20,000 cities to get your daughter to uh, Wesley Girls near high school? So I'm sure these are some of the issues that are being streamlined, hence the delay in the uh, uh, placement. That was the president of the National Association of Graduate Teachers, Angel Kabunu. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Michael Obudu. Let's settle for the details now. Economist Dr. Patrick Isuming has indicated that a successful participation in the domestic debt exchange program will not necessarily bring an end to the economic challenges confronting the country. The finance ministry today indicated that government has achieved over 80% participation in the program, a move that will help it secure a $3 billion loan from the IMF. Speaking to City Business News, Dr. Patrick Isuming urged government to take stringent measures with its fiscal policies to reach a debt sustainability level. It's definitely a good step as far as the government being able to finish the DDP and then moving on to the foreign one and then also eventually getting to for the IMF board to approve the staff agreement. So, yes, I think it's good news for, for the government. We shouldn't think that DD is done. We have made 80%, so our lives are better than we know. This is this just means that the, the staff... The staff times haven't begun yet, that's for sure. We haven't seen the, the, we haven't seen the work yet. So I don't think, you know, let's not see the impression that once we sign the DD, then uh, our problems are solved. It's just going to be, I was reading how the government has been doing about it. The start of measures to try and then, you know, stir the tide and start, you know, rebuilding the economy, starting with the macroeconomic environment. So it's not like something the DD is going to bring in immediate relief. No, it isn't. It's going to be the start of the difficult time. Even if you granted that the government should have started with a stellar, that doesn't preclude the fact that they could have it will still have to do domestic. If you say are there alternatives, I think the way we want to look at it is that there are a series of measures that we have to take to bring the best sustainability. That includes the data state. Now, if you do a more stringent and a bigger fiscal readjustment, 
then we need that the debt exchange we do is not going to be as strong as that is. The only thing is that the fiscal adjustment will take some period, it will take some time. He also urged government not to be complacent after securing the over 80% participation in the domestic debt exchange program, but rather remain focused. It's definitely a good step as far as the government being able to finish this DDEP and then moving on to the foreign one and then also eventually getting to for the IMF board to approve the staff agreement. So, yes, I think it's good news for, for the government. We shouldn't think that DD is done. We have made 80%, so our lives are better than we know. This, is just, this just means that it's the start of the difficult road to trying to restore the economy back to where it should be. So I don't think that we should, you know, it's, it's a good first step by way of getting to an IMF program. But we shouldn't think that suddenly our problems are solved. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm a little reluctant to celebrate it as a whole good news because I, I really wish that we had used this period to force some more substantive reform to our fiscal situation. Dr. Patrick Assuming is an economist. Now, the Ghana National Chamber of Commerce and Industry has retreated calls for government to implement policy adjustments to address the current economic challenges. According to the Chamber, conscious efforts must be made to create a conducive environment for the private sector that attracts foreign direct investments and increases its ability to stimulate inclusive economic growth, even as government works to secure an IMF bailout program. President of the Chamber, Clement Osea Marco, made the call on the sidelines of the inauguration of its new council. The persistence increase in the policy rate by the central bank has also resulted to a high lending rate averaging 40% and also affecting loan payments as, as banks have upward reviewed their contractual loan pricing. Recent upward adjustment in utility tariffs that is 29%, 29.96% for electricity and 8.3% for water. It's expected to have dire consequences on already struggling business by making them vulnerable, erode their competitiveness, and lead to massive layoff and potential shutdowns. Accordingly, the GNCCI has petitioned the Parliamentary Select Committee on Mines and Energy for their intervention on the rising cost of utility tariffs. The ongoing domestic debt exchange program and haircuts have affected business and investor confidence. Per the debt sustainability analysis, Ghana is exposed to rising and unsustainable debt level, and this calls for prompt, responsive, and positive adjustments. Government has a role to play as an enabler and facilitator in creating conducive business environment for the private sector to thrive. Clement Osei Amwako is the president of the Ghana National Chamber of Commerce and Industry. Now, the Cocoa Farmers Association of Ghana has called on the government to deliver its promise of boosting local production, processing and consumption of cocoa in the country. The Information Minister, Kojo Kuma last week announced plans by government to intensify the push for local processing and consumption of cocoa to generate revenue for the economy. He added that Ghana Cocoa Board and other stakeholder institutions would collaborate to address the financing challenges of local processes by pushing for policy instruments that incentivize the financial services sector to provide financing using cocoa beans as security. Reacting to the news about plans by the government, the president of the Cocoa Farmers Association of Ghana, Nana Obwadia Boateng, said they welcomed the move. 
it is long overdue. It is something that my organization, that is the Concerned Farmers, have been talking about this for so many years. And then also talking about consumption and then the processing. So have they identified people that they think they can do it? Because already we have people in this country that they are into this uh, cocoa production, that they produce this uh, milo. And then we have uh, other people also that they do uh, the other chocolate and the rest. So uh, I think government needs to identify the people so that it is not going to be a white elephant thing that each and every day uh, government try to come up with a program or let's say a project that uh, some people do hijack it and sometimes it doesn't go on well and there. Because we all know, now we have a competitor and that is Chinese people. Now they are producing uh, one of the best cocoa beans. So if government is coming out with this initiative, I think it is very nice and laudable. But then we need to do it well because we have been seeing a lot of things that government used to say that at the end of the day it doesn't work out well. This is. Nana Obwade Boating is the president of the Consent Farmers Association of Ghana. Meanwhile, as Ghana celebrates Chocolate Day today, stakeholders in the cocoa processing sector are calling on the government to do more to promote the local consumption of the product in the country. Players in the industry say they hope initiatives will be taken to make consuming chocolate and cocoa products in the country the norm rather than just a day-long celebration. Marketing team lead for chocolate manufacturer Fair Freak, Ishmael Kwe, called on the government to use its various agencies to promote this agenda. He spoke to the media on the sidelines of a donation of chocolate to the Jolly Special School in Accra in collaboration with the Ghana Tourism Authority. We believe that at the end of the day, it's going to at least uh, give everyone the opportunity to eat chocolate. And this is what we stand for. We want to promote the consumption of chocolate. We want to promote the health benefits of chocolate. We want to make chocolate consumption a lifestyle in Ghana. So how do we do this? These are some of the reasons why. And the one thing, one thing that drives us is that give, give to those who you cannot expect anything in return. And uh, that's what we've been doing. This isn't the only program we've sponsored. We've sponsored their health work, uh, which is the Ghana Tourism Authority health work, for National Chocolate Week celebration. Um, aside from that, we have also... Um, mounted our stand at the event that is ongoing today at uh, the National Chocolate City, uh, close to Tetakwashi, uh, you know, in Accra. So we're also doing our best to support and also promote the consumption of chocolate. Hopefully the government also puts in efforts through the NCCE to create the awareness about the consumption of chocolate and its health benefits. And we hope that by so doing, it's going to uh, make chocolate a lifestyle uh, in, in Ghana. You hear the marketing team lead for chocolate manufacturer Fair Freak, Ishmael Kwe. Now, finally, government says over 25 million SIM cards have been registered as at February 9, 2023. Data from the Ministry of Communications and Digitalization reveals that over 8 million subscribers have not attempted to link their Ghana cards to their SIM cards, with 33 million people having completed stage one of the registration process. The statistics also suggest that over 17 million SIM card owners have not completed their biometric capturing process out of the 32,287 SIM cards registered for data purposes, 19,514 have been registered, while 12,773 cards remain unregistered. And that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Michael Obodu. Thank you for listening. As always, please stay safe. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
This is Poem Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sandam. And tonight on Poem Blank, we talk about Ghanaian students abroad and how they are struggling. I'll tell you about Ghanaian students in the UK on scholarship and the stress they say they are going through. But before then, we'll start off from Cuba. We send Ghanaian students to study medicine, return to be doctors. The students say they are struggling. Life in Cuba is hell because the appropriate uh, stipends that have been promised them are not being delivered. The first person I'm speaking to is in Cuba. We're going to speak to him anonymously or condition of anonymity. He's a student. You're welcome to CTFM, sir. Thank you, Mr. Sander. So the understanding is that um, Ghana gives scholarships to students and takes them to the Cuba, the Cuba for seven years to study medicine. Is that what you're doing, or there's a different program you are doing? Yes, it's exactly like that. So seven years, you learn Spanish, and then you also learn to become a doctor and come back to Ghana. About how many students on average um, do we send every year? Do you know? For instance, how many were in your badge or a, a range? I can't, give, I can't give exact number. I can't give exact number. This is because the sponsors are currently, the, the number of students in Cuba are sponsored by two different uh, companies or two different entities. The GMPC students and Students sponsored by the Ghana Classic Secretariat. So I can't give the exact number of students for each category. But they are all reading medicine? Yes, yes. Or are there other programs? No, it's basically medicine. Okay. And um, when you go, are you all put in the same university or there are different universities across the country? We are in different universities across the country. It's actually faculties. They're the same universities, the different faculties. I see. Now, what is the problem? And um, you are under the scholarship secretariat group, not the GMPC group. Yes, I'm under scholarship secretariat group. What is the problem? The problem at the moment is for the past seven months, We've not been paid. We've not been given our stipends, and the situation in Cuba is very worse now. Why am I saying this? In Cuba, it's a country whereby it's very difficult for you to even receive money from your parents if you didn't be able to help you out in such moments. So we depend solely on the green stipends. And for the past seven months, students uh, sponsored by Ghana Crisis Secretariat have not received nothing. February in addition maybe eight months. When when our leaders get into contact with with help from the secretariat, all they tell us is, or all they've been telling us is, they are working on it. Things are very tight, and they're working on it. We understand things are tight. We all bear witness it too. The happenings in Ghana at the moment. But seven months, getting to eight months without stipends, 
Gasandi, Gasanda, Israel, for we the students. So, especially in, in the third year who are currently doing rotation. It's very helpful. So, your school fees is paid all right. It's a pocket money that you don't get. Yes, our school fees have been paid. Everything is set. It's a pocket money. How much do they give the students, each student? How much are you entitled to? You're entitled to two fifty dollars per month. Two hundred fifty dollars a month. Yes. We do know that the cost of living in Cuba is high. Um, tell us how you survive on the two fifty. And now that you don't have the two fifty, tell us how you are surviving. You know, as a person, when you are giving an amount, when you are promised, or when you are you are giving an amount to spend. Either whether it's, it's, it's enough or not, you tend to adjust yourself. You tend, you tend to manage things for a set amount to be sufficient, though it's tight for you. Therefore, though the 250 is not, it's, it's, it's not much because of the economic situation in Cuba, but we manage to survive on that. We manage to survive on that. And now that also, you don't have it, now that we don't have it, though they are they are are doing spread at the at the at the commodore at the cafeteria, but it's not always that students or teachers are able to get to the get to the school for I mean get to the commodore for food or get to the cafeteria for food. So things are really but if the school provides you food, then you do know that you have to get to school on time to get food. You don't really have an excuse then to be complaining about stipends not arriving. I get you when you say that. But when the student is on rotation, there's no time for it. There's no period as great for the students. So if the school sets let's say 12 p.m. for, let's say, lunch, and you are in rotation. If you're in the hospital, if there's a patient there, if there's a situation, you can't leave the situation and say, going for lunch. If you're in a scenario, it's not done that way. You have to compromise or improvise and rather eat when there's two period. And there's no money to eat when there's touch three period. And that's the crisis I'm basically talking about. So, how do you survive then in the stead of this? We tend to money from other friends, other people. That's only where the people I know, few of the friends I know, and do to survive. We tend to go money from other people. I mean, there are a lot of, we are many here from different countries. These are some of my friends who can help us. We do it. That's basically our survival means at the moment. You said that there are students from other countries. Do, do students from other countries face the challenges you are facing too? I can't tell much for that because I've not made such inquiry. Why don't you engage in some work? We, do, we are told that when people go abroad to study, they also engage in menial works just to keep them going. Why don't you do those things even though you're on scholarship? Science training is not done in Cuba. As a student in Cuba, you are solely allowed to school. 
no students in Cuba from Ghana or anywhere else is giving work permit in Cuba. No students. So you can't even go and wash dishes in a restaurant, for instance, on the quiet. Can't do anything. Yes, as a student. Your ID you hold is as a foreigner. It doesn't guarantee you to work. So no students in Cuba from any other country is allowed to work. Even in Cuba, no students are allowed to work. So you can't even do it, you know, on the illegal side of, of things? Not at all. It's not done in Cuba. There's no way you can work in Cuba aside schooling. It's not as in other countries, like other European countries, like UK, where the students are also given working permits for some hours in a week and all that, and receive little allowances from where they work. No, Cuba is not like that. How about your colleagues? Do you know how they are surviving? You have explained how you survive. Do you know how other students are surviving? What about those who are not able to get any support from anybody? I took off is not only for myself. It's for myself and few other friends I know of. You have to borrow money from someone. So the only starting counts you pay. And the moment the starting is not coming, the moment you go to them, it becomes a little challenging. Because you borrow money, telling you're going to pay later, and it's been long, it's not paid, it becomes a little difficult for the person to lend you money. In all, money. in all your stay there, is this the first time you are encountering this challenge or is it a regular thing that the government would default for a while? I won't say it's a regular thing. But what I would say is, this is the second time the starting has been this long. When was the first time? The first time, time was close to. The first one was, I think, two I think one year ago, two years ago, or one year ago, I'm not sure of the time, but it was, it was also about the starting being late for about seven months as that moment. Do you have student leaders? Do you speak with the embassy? What, what, what happens? Yeah, we get in touch with the embassy through our student leadership. And I would say they are working simply because from time to time, they get a committee to us to, to elaborate on how far the actions have been. And at the end of their committee, all what they get is our funders is they are working to rectify the situation at hand. Do you not have a liaison in Accra to speak to the secretariat for you? I think. The only means we get in touch with the secretariat in Accra is through our health. They have direct contact with our funders. Do they not have Do they not have a, a, an official at the embassy who deals with you? We have, we have. We, can, we also work through the officials and uh, the officials at the embassy, and they are work they are working tremendously well. They get us in touch from time to time when they need you. So for now, what's, what's the plan for, for your side, the students? Now the plan is, we are still hopeful that the government or the, that our students, that Ghana Scholarship Secretary, get us some amount of money, some amount of money for some month. So that things can be 
free for us. So that living in Cuba will be free for us. We can focus on our studies. Very well. Uh, That's so, basically what we are hoping for. So, so, so it's a hope now. You're living on hope. Absolutely. If it fails to come in the next month or two, what happens to you? Maybe if there is, if there is a place behind hell, that's where it will be. Wish you all the best and uh, thank you. If, if, if the scholarship secretariat in Ghana officials are listening, what would you say to them? Speak to them directly so we can get, sign out. What I will tell them directly now is we are pleading with them. You know, things are very hard in Ghana. We all hear the news of the happiness in Ghana. But we still plead with them to work and get us some lot of money because the situation in Cuba is worse. I know the bear witnesses to that. We don't work. The only means we get money is on the stipend. Getting money from Ghana is even difficult. And you have to count from your parents. There's no other means than the stipend. So please, we are pleading with officials, our sponsors. We know they do care about us. And we are, work, we are pleading with them to work well and please get us something for our survival. So that our studies here will go as smoothly as intended or as planned. Thank you. Thank you so much for speaking to us. So that's a Ghanaian student on scholarship uh, in Cuba uh, who says that their stipends have not been paid for seven months and uh, they are having a difficulty surviving there and they want the sec scholarship secretariat to move in and intervene. We've tried to reach the scholarship secretariat here for a response. We've not been successful. Meanwhile, uh, so that's Cuba. In the UK, we are also receiving various complaints from students on scholarship. There's one message that says, uh, and this is a message that was sent to the officials, and it says, I trust you. I'm not going to read the name of the person. It says, I trust you guys are having a wonderful day by the grace of God. Please, I'm one of your PhD students at the University of Kent Business School. I'm in my second year, and I have been due for data collection in Ghana since last September. All my data collection instruments are ready and the ethical committee at the university has cleared me and granted the approval for me to proceed. However, due to financial difficulty, I have not been able to proceed from there. Getting money to buy a ticket has been a problem because as you all know, we have not been paid a monthly stipend by the secretariat for 11 months now. Unfortunately, because of my financial situation, the money I make after working for the 20 hours per week is what I use to pay my rent and all other bills. As I write this text, I owe two months rent because there were some months I could not work due to, um, I think once you say hectic school challenges. Another person says, we all understand that we are in difficulty at the moment. We are all in this together. However, some of these issues need urgent solution, which I suppose they have laid down measures. I would also like to say that periodical messaging or message updating students on the state of issues or checking in to show concern will go a long way to help students' mental health. So that's one other student complaint. I'm just reading for you messages on a student WhatsApp group. As in, uh, the, the, the group is called Ghanaian PhD, Scholarship, uh, Ghanaian PhD Scholars. So they are all lamenting, uh, talking about challenges they have. Another one here says... Uh, 
uh, at some point to my agency could not get me my assignment combining a phd program and financial stress is definitely beyond prescription or description please i wanted to inquire whether there is any help you can offer what even makes the situation worse is that even if i'm able to borrow money from whoever to buy air ticket i'll still need to get some more money to pay my rent here while in ghana the situation is very difficult i know there are other colleague phd candidates on this platform who have the same problem please is there any help the secretariat can offer with this peculiar challenge thank you so these are students in the uk another one says that um okay let me read this one it says cuban students are in the news for the same unpaid scholarship issue don't forget to mention students in the uk people have not been paid for 14 months now making life a living hell a phd student colleague recently had a heart attack because her landlord is on her to pay her rent meanwhile stipends have not been paid for the whole of last year but even more precarious is the school fees for 2021-2022 which have not been paid making some schools to block students from using university resources phd students cannot travel back home to collect data because there's no money to buy airfares the situation is not only dire but deplorable so that's the situation with phd students uh, under the scholarship secretariat in the uk lamenting earlier you had students who are medical uh, well medical students in the uk or not uk in cuba also complaining and lamenting well we've tried to reach the scholarship secretariat we've not been successful when we do we will tell you what they say or possibly put them on the air for them to respond to the queries and questions that have come through that will be it for eyewitness news tonight my name is umaru sanda amado production by beverly london and sami Wiafe with technical support from daniel kwashi and new media support from edwin kwakofi we return tomorrow at 17:30 gmt up next is city trends with philip kofi kofi ashon good night City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and on Twitter at City 973.